and welcome everyone to what might very well be, if this all works out, a very different looking version of the comic multiverse than you're used to. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? I would agree. We decided to do video this week in our two from our two week hiatus. Yeah. We decided to return we, with we, video. We've been talking about this for a bit and I hope it does work out. And I hope it's not just a giant fuck up when I eventually put this one out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we've been talking about doing video for a bit. We had talked about trying to experiment with live as we approached 70 episodes of the comic multiverse. The thing is, is just, you know, with time zones and technology and who's up to watch live if we were to do it live, it's a whole thing. But, you know, this is this is a step further we're taking 70 episodes and however many years in now we've been doing this. Yeah, yeah. So video, if it, if it does work out, if nothing goes horribly, horribly wrong... Then it'll just then... go back to the show you always knew. <laughs> yeah, and if it, if it works out really well, then we'll do more video shows. So I think people like the video shows. I think they do. I think that, like, you know, just, like, talk seriously about the business of YouTube and podcasting. I think that is the way it's going. I think in a weird way, YouTube and YouTube shows have replaced television. They've replaced the average talk show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's totally. Not to not to just royally jerk myself off and pat myself on the back a little bit and go, uh, uh, we're totally new media now. Fuck like all that old media and shit, man. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. This is where it's at. Me and Matt talking about comic books <laughs> late at night for me on Sunday and early in the morning for him. This is where it's at. <laughs> this this is it everybody and yeah like matt said uh i was away last week i was doing the fan expo thing I had a ton of fun i have a con video up for those who haven't seen it yet but uh it's probably a good thing that i was away for that week because i was able to put together a nice little collection of news and topics for us to talk about yeah we got actually quite a bit to talk about yeah we got a fair amount which is you know which is nice which is always nice I always hate it when, you know, it's like 9.30 on a Sunday, and I'm like, oh, God, what the hell are we going to talk about for an hour? <laughs> yep. Am, yep. I, am I just going to have to start making stuff up? Is that where we're at now? <laughs> well, we, uh, with our track record, we probably could make stuff up and, and get, like, pretty much on the ball. It's true. We've been We've been stupid lucky when it comes to stuff. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's like, you know, we, we were never on the front page of anything. No one ever gave us credit for our <laughs> lucky guesses. We just made many lucky guesses. <laughs> With a man behind the man. Man behind the man behind the myth. <laughs> and, uh, hey, you know, speaking of uh, shit that, you know, I think anyone could have called, not just us, the Venom movie has hit major delays, Matt. Oh, what what a shame. What a shame. You mean I might have to wait a few months to find out if Tom Hardy will do a good job as everyone's fifth favorite <laughs> Spider-Man character in a Spider-Man movie not connected to the Spider-Man Homecoming movie we liked, but something completely different? Oh, what a shame. I know, right? You know That, that one guy who's excited for anything Sony uh, is, is just crying. Also, too, it's like, what delays did it hit? I didn't even know they were that far along to hit delays. It sounds like they just have Hardy and that's it. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were doing because, yeah, we heard Hardy was cast and then I think they did, like, some other little casting. And But they, I don't does it have a director? If they do, I don't know it. I mean, there's been <laughs> a bunch of ones rumored. I mean, maybe maybe that's the delay. Maybe the rumor, uh, you know, maybe it's like, you know, the director they kidnap keeps escaping from the basement and they keep needing <laughs> to hunt him down. Oh, no, the director got out again. 
his emails with Amy Pascal keep leaking. Oh no! Oh no! No no! Uh, uh, Ruben Fleischer was the guy who was rumored to direct oh, okay. as of May. Oh, okay then. But again, the movies hit a major production delay, so who the fuck knows? Yeah, yeah. Also, too, what's going to come out first? Is this Venom movie no one asked for going to come out first, or is that Silver and Black, Black Cat Silver Sable movie no one asked for going to come out first? Because that one actually has a release date. Yeah, well, I actually haven't heard about anything around that movie since it was announced. Like, nothing has come out, like, who's playing who, directors, anything. Maybe maybe it's not a good sign that you opened with a release date and nothing else. They they followed the DCEU plan of marketing. We'll, we'll we'll take a date and we might do a movie on there, but we might not. I don't know. Look, we're just saying save the date. We're saving the date so we remember. You know, we work better under pressure. You gotta gotta light a fire under our ass for us to get it done. <laughs> that's that's how you know, Matt. That's how you know. I mean, let's let, let's do this because we like to do this on the show. Hypothetically, if you know they gave you Matt the reins to a Venom movie, and you could do it the way you wanted, and you could, like, you know, try and make it good, how would you do it? I'd make it like John Carpenter's The Thing. Right, you'd do straight-up horror movie Venom? Yep. Where he hops into anyone? Shit, I mean, the way I would go with it, and it sucks that they're not going to do it because they've already said it's going to be Eddie Brock and it's going to be a traditional Venom, I would say chuck out everything people think they know about Venom and just do Flash Thompson. Yeah, yeah, the, the, I could see them probably doing something like that. Do do we know? Do we know if uh, Tom Hardy's playing Eddie or Flash? I think I th- I don't know if it's a hundred percent concrete yet, but he's, he's probably playing fucking Eddie because that's the only Venom people know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They're not going to get creative with it. At least this way, you could get creative with it, and you could make it like a war movie and be like, yeah, you know, there was yeah. this kid. He went to a school, maybe with Peter Parker. Maybe he didn't. You know, he was a bit of a dick bag and everything, but he was humbled by his military service. And when he lost his legs, they said, "Hey, put on this crazy alien costume, and it will give you powers." But it might also fuck with your head because it's a living alien. Yeah, that, that could be a really cool film, especially with like the war aspect, because you could play with like the PTSD sort of oh, side yeah. of it and and Venom sort of leeching off of that and everything. Exactly. Be like, hey, am I is this suit actually talking to me or am I just going crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, the the government and the military could like lie to Flash and be like, no, 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 you're just suffering, you know, uh, advanced side effects of the PTSD. Holy shit, it's talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, you would need like next to no actual like Spider-Man connection because that's like more than enough pathos and drama to carry a movie. I feel. Yeah, exactly. But it's not the Eddie Brock people know from the comics, so they won't like you know that character who is intrinsically tied to the character of Peter <laughs> Parker and Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically Flash is you know connected too, but you don't really need him. You could like tell the same story and omit the parts with Peter Parker, at least for the origin. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a rough non-starter, but hey, you know it's not a non-starter. You know it's actually kind of cool. Uh, Six Flags announces five new Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn themed <laughs> rides to their park. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's a lot of rides, and I was kind of cynical when I read this headline. I'm like, that's stupid. How many rides could you make out of Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn? Then I actually read what they had in mind for the rides, and I'm like, okay, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> uh, apparently the two different ones that Harley is getting in the Northern California Park is uh, Harley's Crazy Coaster 
and then the spin sanity ride which they actually show some ways of how they're supposed to work one of them's like one of those uh roller coasters where it spins around and it pendulums back and forth uh, at yeah. the same time and then yeah. you got like wonder woman's golden lasso which is literally just like a straight shot with a bunch of crazy lasso turns and i'm like all right okay yeah they they, they actually have a bunch of them uh here at I guess what is our Six Flags? It's called Movie World. It's owned by Warner Brothers, so we get like all like the the like Arkham Asylum escape rides oh, and cool. Batman slingshots and Justice League versus the Legion of Doom rides and stuff like that. See, I wish Canada had cool shit like that. I don't think we have a Six Flags here, or if we do, we don't have one in Ontario that I know of. Yeah. Uh, here's a, here's another funny thing I didn't even know when researching all this, you know, uh, what is it, theme park ride stuff. Apparently Cyborg already had a ride at Six Flags. <laughs> no one really knew. Yeah. No one, like, hey, he's got a ride. When did that open? I think this might be the first time ever Cyborg beat anybody to anything. But yeah, it's called Cyborg Cyber Spin. Okay. But he's sort of like a character who, who would have like a theme park ride. Like that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he's younger, he's hip, he's cool. He's a bit of adrenaline junkie. He played football. I mean, yeah, I think you could build a pretty cool theme park ride around Cyborg. Yeah, yeah. Now, whether they're going to build an interesting solo movie around him is yet to be seen. <laughs> but that's okay. They have to 2020 to, you know, really, re re really hammer out the dents in that one. Yeah, and if he's not, they'll just like pop him in a movie as a as a tag along with someone else, yeah. Flash Two or something. Yeah, Flash Two, Cyborg a Boogaloo. <laughs> Flash Two, the Flashpoint, but with Cyborg. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's got to be so bad for the Flash people. You wonder why that movie lost two directors already. There's reasons like that is probably why. Where it's like, look, I know you were planning like a movie here, and you had all these ideas and concepts and everything. Well. We're going to need you to throw that all away because we're turning this into a Flashpoint <laughs> movie to try and fix any mistakes that we made because Ben Affleck might not be around after Justice League. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of have to, like, pivot. And this is the movie that we're pivoting on. In fact, we were going to call it The Flash Pivot, but, you know, uh, we market researched <laughs> that when it didn't sound nearly as good. Yeah, people like that, that animated movie, Flashpoint, so we'll name it that. We're just taking that name because that's something people know and love. And hey, uh, speaking of the DC Universe and pivoting, uh, apparently Jared Leto, everyone's least favorite incarnation of the Joker, is quite upset that they may get another actor to play the Joker <laughs> in a possible Elseworld side universe that they're trying to build up. Oh no, what, what a shame. Yeah. Uh, this, this is even funnier because this is the first time seemingly that Jared Leto has spoken up about this since he said that he felt like he was cheated in Suicide Squad 1. Yeah, it's it's kind of like going back on his word. Like, yeah, he came out and said, like, that wasn't, like, the movie we were told we were making. I kind of hated it and everything. And then now he's like, hey, why aren't you including me in this after I've just said all this stuff? Maybe maybe, maybe because he heard, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be directed by, uh, what is it, the uh, crazy stupid love guy, and it's going to be written by this, and, oh, maybe Scorsese will be on to produce. Maybe Leto's like, well, fuck, that sounds way more interesting than the movie I was in. Put me in that. <laughs> what and I get to star? I don't need to, st uh, you know. What is it? Share my screen time with all these other motherfuckers? I want to be in that. <laughs> well, that that that's like early talks. I'm sure they'll shoehorn Batman into it somehow. Oh, of course they will. Well, because there's talk too, where it's like, oh yeah, it's gonna be like a Leto origin movie, or it might be a natural born killers with him and Harley, or maybe both. We don't know. <laughs>
we just God kind damn of it. <laughs> we just kind of floated the idea that we might like to do this and we also might like to do Superman Red Sun at some point too. God damn it, please don't do Superman Red Sun. We we just it's Matt, we just we just have so many ideas here at DC and Warner Brothers and we just really want to do them all even if it makes no sense. <laughs> well that's the thing, Red Sun wouldn't make sense to the general audience. No. They would have no idea what the hell is going on. But we cast uh, John Hamm as a Red Sun Superman. Oh, oh. Oh, that, that that makes it all better. Yeah, okay. I mean, like, I I, I kind of want to see John Hamm as Superman. I mean, maybe maybe not this version of Superman, but I mean, that'd, that'd be nice, I guess. <laughs> and hey, speaking of Suicide Squad, and we were uh, Suicide Squad Two is apparently delayed indefinitely due to Will Smith's schedule. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, I know, right? Also, too, man, what power and sway does he have where it's like, look, you know, this, we're totally going to make it up for the sequel. You know, we got the director from Warrior attached to this. It's going to be much better. It's going to be much more interesting. Oh, what's that big Willie style can't make it? Oh, I mean, I guess we got to delay it indefinitely until he's okay. I mean, you know. Well, what they should have done with, with, with it is they should have made Suicide Squad, like, each movie is a different in iteration of the team As so like you have the first one which is like the, like current comic one and then the second one is like oh these people didn't work out because they fucked up everything so we'll bring in a couple of new people or maybe two leftovers from the last team and then sort of do that for each movie that's the beautiful thing about suicide squad and why you exactly. really don't need to be slave to anyone's schedule the team is constantly changing. There is no one definitive lineup for it. There's usually Waller involved, and more often than not, Deadshot is involved with it. But you can really put whoever the fuck you want on it, and you can even deep dive into DC lore and grab guys who were never members and just say, yeah, okay, they're on it now. Yeah, and if they did that, they, they could still give um, the guy who's meant to be playing Slade Wilson in the movie, since he's probably not going to be in the Batman movies, oh, just yeah. put him in that. Yeah, put him in just, that. He, he's the Deadshot, like, like stand in. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the replacement. Be like, hey, here's another guy in a mask with guns who's an assassin and shoots people. Yeah, no one will know the difference. And he's got a sword. <laughs> God, that would suck if they kept doing that and they were really scraping the bottom of the barrel for the third one. Okay, who's who's our dead shot replacement shootest guy for this one? Um 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 headhunter. <laughs> he was he was in a popular seventies Batman two parter. And, uh, and and writers really like him, so uh, so he keeps showing up in the background of stuff. <laughs> yeah, then eventually they get to, like, Kite Man. <laughs> oh, God, Suicide Squad 4, Kite Man, hell yeah. <laughs> this is a guy in a kite just flying around, crash landing and being beaten, beaten up by Batman or whoever the, the hero is in the, those movies. Dude, if that's the case, then, if you have a Kite Man-led Suicide Squad, it needs to be the expendables of D-list villains. You need Kite Man, <laughs> you need Crazy Quilt. Uh, who else are we putting on that team of losers? Uh, Calendar Man. Oh, yeah, Calendar Man. He can be on there. Condiment Cal King. Con oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah. Condiment King is the key to all of this. He is the heart of the film, <laughs> Condiment King. He's he's the Diablo of this. We find out he actually has a very deep, very sad origin. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, I'm trying to think who are some other really lame characters we can put on there. Um, who's, who's a really lame, uh, like, female character? Like, who's a really lame villainess? Uh, from DC lore. Oh, you, you think I would know this. I, I'm like master of, uh, what is it, of lame DC villains. Yeah, I, I only know like like 
rather popular ones. Because, um, yeah, I mean, there's, like, ones who are always the popular punching bags and everything. Oh, uh, Egg Fu Young, there's always a guy. Just He's just a, <laughs> he's just a big talking egg with a Fu Manchu. <laughs> who who doesn't love that? Who, who wouldn't want him in your movie? Uh, actually, there was a version of the Fiddler who was a woman, not the old crappy Flash one that everyone remembers, but like the newer one, who was actually in a Secret Six Suicide Squad story and was actually a member of the team. So there you go, put Lady Fiddler there you go. on there. Uh, there you I, mean, go. I mean, I guess the Clock King can be like the brains of the operation. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, or you could even pull out like the Prankster, who's like the Joker and the Riddler's horrible <laughs> love child. <laughs> oh, I love pranks, don't you know? Pranks are so much fun. Woohoo! <laughs> so yeah, there's there's our lame expendables version of Suicide Squad for when they eventually get to Suicide Squad 4 and have to, you know, totally scrape the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I uh I, I I expect fan art on that one very soon, you know, concept <laughs> art and storyboards of how that team would fit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Suicide Squad ten is like the shittest team. Suicide Squad ten, this time for money. <laughs> hey, you know what? Speaking of shit characters who no one remembers, uh Again, just just to bring it back to Sony, we gave DC Warner Brothers a hard time, but just let's let's share the caustic love all over the place. Let's go back to Sony for a second. We talked about how, you know, Venom was like everyone's fifth favorite Spider-Man character they're going to try and make a movie out of to stretch their non-Spider-Man holdings. Well, guess what yeah. apparently is also in the works right now? What's that? A fucking Nightwatch movie. <laughs> do, do, do you know who Nightwatch is, Matt? Vaguely. Uh, Nightwatch looks like Spawn, everyone who doesn't know, and he looks like Spawn because Marvel really wanted Spawn at this time, because Spawn was really popular in the 90s when he was created. Ugh, goddammit. Uh, imagine a lamer, rip-off, bargain-basement version of Spawn. <laughs> that's pretty terrible that's that's not great especially like you know around the same time when todd mcfarlane's like oh i'm gonna make my own night watch or you know i'm gonna make my own spawn movie you'll see, 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 <laughs> see even mcfarlane gets fucked up even he doesn't remember which one he made <laughs> the last thing of note that night watch was actually in he had disappeared and fallen off the face of the earth forever Marvel and with good reason because he was hot garbage on toast but the last thing of note he was actually in was uh remember Charles Soule's She-Hulk run yes it was yes. really it was really underrated and it was really cool and everything he turned out to be like the big overarching villain in that of the very end uh, well, if it was written by Charles Soule, it's probably pretty good. It was probably it was pretty good, and it was also kind of like Charles Soule being like, "Ha ha ha! Here's the mystery villain, a guy you never would have expected because he because <laughs> he hasn't been around since like 1993." Yeah, he's been planning this the whole time. Yeah, just to just to stick it to She-Hulk. But yeah, seriously, if you don't believe me, Google pictures of Nightwatch. It is shameless how much he looks like Spawn. Yeah. So what when this. Todd McFarlane Spawn reboot. What what studio is that with? Uh, I don't think. I think he might be doing it himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they, they probably want to try and beat him to the punch or something. Possibly. Which again, the character basically only existed as a screw you to McFarlane. So I can see why they're like, hey, let's make this movie as a screw you to him too. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's funny too, that's not even like the first or last time that Marvel would try and like rip off Spawn. Remember Doctor Strange for like a good couple years there was rocking a Spawn costume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, you know, Doctor Strange, he never sells that great. Let's just make him into Spawn and see if that helps. <laughs> yeah, Spawn with like magical fingers. Yeah, who doesn't who doesn't want that? That'll that'll be great. Everyone will love and remember this forever and ever. <laughs> And, you know, and not for the wrong reasons, like why I remember it. <laughs> but, hey, you know, it's not all doom and gloom in Nightwatch, because the same week Sony also promised that they're going to deliver a lighter, more grounded Crow movie. And, yes, The Crow is technically a comic, so I feel okay talking about it on the comic multiverse, even though you could really just rename this segment shit only Joel cares about. <laughs> the, the, the Crow... He, he can't do lighthearted. The whole point of The Crow is a revenge story. <laughs> yeah, that's like super gothy and with an amazing soundtrack. Jesus Christ. I, Fucking I, Sony. I was on the floor at Fan Expo when this news hit, and my Twitter blew up with like 50 people being like, oh God, somewhere Joel's crying right now, <laughs> isn't he? <laughs> yes, I was crying my mascara tears as I wrote my Hot Topic <laughs> journal about how horrible this is. <laughs> and, and God I, damn it! And when I say I love the Crow and I'm a lifelong Crow fan, what I really mean is I'm a fan of the one movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of the other movies. That well, I mean, one movie. I mean, like every sequel to the Crow was basically just a shitty remake of the Crow, which is a perfect yeah. reason why Sony shouldn't try and remake the Crow. God, so Sony are like, like for the last like two years, two, three, four years, they've been in like panic mode. Like, what, what's gonna make an emoji movie? People like them emojis. Mm -hmm. We'll make a fidget spinner movie next, and then, then something else, whatever else the next meme is. Yeah, people, people liked the crow, right? And and like, here's the funny thing, like, you know, some people might get the wrong impression where it's like, oh, you know, you guys just hate. All remakes. If they never remade anything, you'd never get any of the few good ones. Hell, uh, it is surprising everyone right now by actually being pretty decent. It it, it sounds like it's pretty decent. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, by it, it all, seems pretty decent. By all account, people are digging it, and like they're digging it because they understood what worked about the original, and you know where where to make the cut off, and what they needed to keep, and what they needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Saying a shit ton of money too, it's gonna actually probably end up being one of the more successful movies of the year. I think it's already like the most successful horror opening of the year. I think so, yeah. Which is shocking. I guess it's the perfect storm of people who remembered the original and so had nostalgia for it. And also I think it also did a good job uh being like an actual real deal monster movie in an era of like only, you know, haunting activity type movies. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, hey, here's an actual monster. And I think it was able to, you know, ride a couple trends from Stranger Things. I mean, shit, they have the main kid from Stranger Things being the main kid oh, in yeah. this movie. As Mike and Jay said on their Red Letter Media review of it, I it's basically it. basically Stranger Things. Kids on bikes in the kids 80s. On, <laughs> kids on bikes. It's a popular new genre. Actually, no, it's an old genre that's back again. <laughs> yeah, it's an old Spielberg genre that's yeah. back. Matt, when are we going to make our kids on bikes movie? When, when are we going to get some kids and some bikes? That, that, that's going to be the next Sony movie, Kids on Bikes. Kids on Bikes. <laughs> They're going to ride that wave. <laughs> They're going to ride that wave. It's like, look, okay, Kids on Bikes, also with emojis. Yeah, uh, emojis on bikes. Emojis on bikes. Man, you were just, you're just, you know, just hitching your star to them emojis, aren't you, Sony? <laughs> 
It'll work, damn it. We have marketing. I think I, I reckon they made that movie so they could copyright emojis. Oh, if I'd believe that, and if so, that's a dirty fucking trick. Yeah, they they probably say like, you can't use that because we technically own the word emoji. God damn. Yeah, the internet will just change it and call it something else. <laughs> emoticon. Ah, <laughs> uh, emoticon. Yeah, bringing it back, bringing it old school. But uh, yeah, also to bring it back to the beginning of this story, don't remake the crow. Just no. don't do it. And don't remake Highlander while you're at it either. Oh, God, yeah, they're doing that as well. Jesus, no, no. Look, if you got to remake them, go full Kong of Skull Island and have the Crow versus Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was actually fan-casting this one to try and think how you could make Crow and Highlander cross over. Because as far as nerd properties go, they never really crossed over, but they do kind of exist in this interesting place of one solid movie with about a dozen terrible sequels, both had great soundtracks, and bo- and like the main cast of those movies never really went on to do fuck all else. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Brandon Lee has the you know excuse that he actually fucking died. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, everyone else from Highlander, you know, Lambert was. What was your excuse for not doing anything? You you didn't take a prop bullet to the chest, but your career did. <laughs> yeah, but he was French, so he was a uh, weird Frenchy. Oh, oh, n'est-ce pas? Oh. <laughs> Um, he's probably really famous over there. Uh, he's he's also half blind now, too. That's another thing why he never did. But, like, Highlander Endgame, he could barely see. No oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how sad that one is. But, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, how could you do a Crow-Highlander crossover? I'm trying to think thematically. Like, the Crow is all about defying death for a short amount of time, being immortal, essentially, until you get your revenge, and Highlander's all about you can only kill them by chopping off the head, which indeed is how you can kill a crow, too. Well, you have, like, someone someone like the Kurgan or something kill someone, and they come back to life mm. as the spirit Avengers, the crow, right. and who's all, who also just happens to be an immortal, and that's how you sort of bring that into... Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think how you put that together or make it be like a villain wants to steal both like the power of the game and the power of the crow because he thinks, you know, if I have the crow powers, then I will have a better chance of winning the Highlander game and getting whatever the fuck the prize is. Even even I don't goddamn know what the prize is. (laughs) No, no one knows what the prize is, but I think I think a smart writer could bring that together of being like, well, you know, Highlanders and crows, you know, they've been they've been fighting a shadow war for thousands of years in the two halves of the same coin. And the Dark Knight's <laughs> metal and everything. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that sounds a lot like metal. <laughs> <laughs> that's, see, see, that's what Scott Snyder started doing. He started writing a Crow <laughs> Highlander crossover, but by the time it was done, it was a Batman Justice League thing. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't get the rights to the Crow because Sony had them, so he had to, oh, I'll just make it Batman. <laughs> ah, fuck it, it's Batman then, whatever. <laughs> it's fine, you'll all love it. And also Dream shows up. <laughs> But hey, you know what, apparently Fox heard what Sony was saying about a lighter, more grounded movie because they're like, hey, we have this X-Men Phoenix movie starting and we're also promising that it will be a more grounded movie. <laughs> yeah, because grounded is what I really want in like a, an X-Men mutant with all these fantastical powers movie. Yeah, that's that's not a good word, guys. 
it, it, it worked for Christopher Nolan like way like almost 10 years ago now and he's like yeah you know if we're gonna Batman Begins it'll be a more grounded realistic Batman movie the likes of which you've never seen before you just don't get to add that to your superhero movie and hope we'll like it I, I think yeah I think that's like what people are doing nowadays like since that since Batman Begins everywhere has been added oh it's more grounded than the the first one or the the sequel or something so they just add that word in thinking it sounds smart or people are going to go see it because it's not going to be just wacky superhero stuff also too how the fuck do you do a grounded version of the goddamn phoenix you see that they, they, they're on the ground. Oh. That's what they meant. <laughs> oh, no, they don't actually go to space. They're grounded the whole time. Professor X grounds them, and they have to go to their rooms. I bet that's what they fucking meant. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to space. They're just going to stay on Earth. They're grounded. <laughs> literally. They're literally grounded. They're teenagers who are grounded. You defeated Apocalypse. You're grounded, young man. <laughs> go to your room without dessert. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> and Jean's all like, oh, I'm angry now. Phoenix powers, activate. Ooh. <laughs> that's how it happens. It's the movie. That'll be $10 plus, pop plus popcorn. Yep. Hope you like it. Be sure to come back for Deadpool and X-Force and whatever else we're doing. Yep. Which, hey, speaking of which, for X-Force, didn't they get the former showrunner of Daredevil Season 1 is going to be directing that X-Force movie now? Yeah, Drew Goddard's going to be directing it, so it probably will be pretty good. Right on, he did a good job. Me likey. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's writing it. Yeah, because what he writes it, his stuff is really, really good, like um, Cabin in the Woods and yeah. Daredevil and everything. So yeah, yeah maybe, he's, maybe he's writing it. I don't know. I, I hope he does end up having a hand in it because I do like his writing. Like you said, he has a good track record. Yeah, yeah. And actually, this is a perfect segue, because speaking of which, uh, hey, Daredevil Season 3, uh, they put out a casting call uh, for a potential new villain in Season 3, and everyone believes that it's Stanley Carter, the Sin Eater. Oh, I don't know who that character is. Uh, Sin Eater was a character that actually came around during the Gene DeWolf saga, and also like right around the original Venom storyline, too. Basically, he was a cop. Well, actually, no, he, like, started as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he got, like, shot up with a bunch of science juice that made him super strong. But, like, he was also a total zealot and fanatic and believed that people weren't doing enough to punish criminals. So he got fired and got busted down to be an NYPD cop because, you know, you can be a fanatical zealot and a cop and be an asshole and it's <laughs> fine. And no one will look at you both ways. Because, you know, it, it, it was the style at the time. It was the 80s, unlike today when that stuff doesn't fly at all. No. <laughs> We're on video so people can see what wink, I... Wink, wink. <laughs> you see, every time I make a cheeky joke like that, everyone, I've been winking. It's just because we haven't been on video and you haven't been able to see me winking. <laughs> but but you felt the wink was there. Uh, I think that's cool, actually, to have Sin Eater be a villain in a uh, Daredevil show because, again, much like the Punisher, he's a really interesting little inversion of Daredevil, you know, Stanley Carter is a cop supposed to uphold law and order, much like how Matt Murdock is a lawyer and he's supposed to uphold law and order, but they both believe that the system is flawed and broken and that they need to put on costumes and go out into the night and fight crime their own way. Yeah, 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 and of course because the, the show loves it so much, he'll be 
I guess, related to the hand, and he'll be a ninja. <laughs> well, well, it's funny. Here's the thing. Like, Sin Eater started off as just a dude with a gun, mm-hmm. but eventually they would bring him back, and he would, like, have some crazy sin-eating demon powers in him. Yeah, I, I don't think the show would probably do that. They'll probably do it something similar to how Elektra was in De- in Defenders. Right. She'll be, like, like a, a possessed person right. and he'll be like super strong and be able to fight matt at like mm. punch for punch I, I could also see him being like a really interesting like minor threat where it's like you know daredevil's fighting kingpin or something but he sees like all these ritualistic killings going on in the background and being like man should really deal with that when i get a minute yeah yeah i could see him maybe being like a villain that ends halfway through the season could also be an interesting mystery because it's like hey here's new character officer gene dewolf and her partner stanley carter and they're on the trail of the killer and it's like oh who could the killer be it's a big mystery we need daredevil's help only for the big stinger to be like oh shit it was stanley all along yeah they, they could be pretty cool they go like they stray away from all the ninja hand stuff and just go like full-on crime like the first season yeah i would like that and also hey too uh sin eater if this is true Sin Eater is a Spider-Man character. Yeah. So that means they're playing nice with them, and that means we could see more Spider-Man characters that they'd never touch in the movies show up in the Netflix show. Well, do you think, like, they, they probably are playing nice, but do you think, like, it's because it is Sin Eater? It's like, oh, no one gives a shit about him. You know, he's not he's not some A-list vi- villain, you know? That probably helps a ton, that he's like, no, yeah. we, we would never do him in a movie in a million years. But I'm super excited about this, because that means we're that much closer to what I've been pitching forever, and that is, okay, Luke Cage Season 3, Tombstone is the villain. That'd be pretty cool. Again, because, again... Lonnie Lincoln and Luke Cage have a lot in common, and they are kind of dark, cracked, mirrored versions of each other. And Tombstone can take a punch, which means that he could go one-on-one with Luke Cage. I think that would be some amazing television. Yeah, do we we know who the villain is for season two of Luke Cage? Because that's like filming at the moment. Yeah, they got a couple uh, people they cast who could be potential villains. There's a... I don't know if he's Bushmaster, not, not Bushmen. Bushmen is a knight, uh, or is a Moon Knight. I, I think it's Bushmaster. I, I do remember hearing something about a Bushmaster or something. Right, Bushmaster, who is a completely throwaway Luke Cage villain, as sadly most of his villains are. But what's interesting about him is he actually has more of a storied history with Misty Knight, so he's more of a Misty Knight villain than he is anything else. Yeah, whoa, she's coming back. She's got her robotic arm as well. She's got her fucking robot arm, and it looks so dope. awesome. Looks dope as hell. Cannot wait for that. That's going to be sweet. Also, too, another thing they were talking about for Daredevil uh, Season 3, that it might be very heavily based on the Bourne storyline, given how it ended with, you know, Matt all fucked up and in the care of his mother in the church. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that panel... Um, right at the end of uh, De- Defenders was like literally a pull from the Born Again storyline, like him on the bed in the church and everything. was basically shot for shot. And crazy thing about Born 2 that they could totally do, it involves Matt, you know, kind of coming to himself again after, you know, having his, you know, world shock. Also involves him fighting the Kingpin, which means D'Onofrio can come back. And uh, he also meets a bunch of other Marvel heroes. 
which in that case was like Captain America and the Avengers, but you could easily sub them out for any of the defenders. He also fights Nuke in that story, and we saw Nuke get created in Jessica Jones, so it would be awesome to see him show back up in Daredevil. Yeah, it's all starting to come together. Hopefully it happens like that. Yeah, all the pieces are in place. You do that, you throw in a nice B-plot about Sin Eater, and I think there's going to be some pretty fucking good TV right there. Yeah, again, it's like phase one of the MCU, where it's like once that was over, anything was possible. Anything was and, possible. You know, Defenders is now a phase one of of the Netflix shows is over. Anything's now possible. It's true. It's funny as I sit here and think about Sin Eater, I'm also reminded there that his uh, his costume is absolutely ridiculous. Do you know what he dresses like? What's that? Purple onesie, green ski mask. <laughs> It's, it's a fucking hideous costume. That's one of the few times where I'm like, you know what, Netflix? It's fine. Don't put this guy in the costume. It's okay. I don't think a lot of people will be complaining. No, he can just be a mysterious serial killer by the name of Sin Eater. You know what? You could have a little joke in there where, like, uh, Daredevil finds his murder room and finds his murder bag. And it's like, oh, lime green ski mask and purple onesie. <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe they just find like a little piece of purple fabric at the crime scene. It's like, oh, this was from the killer. Yeah, yeah. You could, you could do that, and that would be fine, and everything would be okay. Uh, moving on from there to another piece of news that I think had everyone talking about. Uh, some promotional images came out for Doomsday Clock, the next big, huge DC event. You know, after Metal, uh, wherein Batman seems to be reading Rorschach's journal. Yeah, we, we don't know how he got it, but as I said on Twitter when that was released, that's probably going to be the extent of Rorschach's involvement with it. He's not going to, you know, come out of a portal of the Speed Force and just, like, whack Batman in the face with a crowbar or something, yeah. you know? He, he's going to be telling the truth of the what Watchmen, happened. what happened in Watchmen through the journal. I, I like that. I'm A-okay with that, with Batman just reading this artifact and we get to know Rorschach through the book. I'm totally okay with that. Yep, so am I. Which, it would be funny, I actually really want to know what, what Batman feels about Rorschach. How does he sum him up, where he's like reading the book and being like, whoa, this, this dude had some fucking problems. Yeah, you probably think, is this guy the Joker? Yeah, this, th this guy would not be able to cut it in my world. I would have put a stop to this dude a long time ago. <laughs> he is mentally ill. He needs help from Arkham. Also, sentence fragments all over the place. That's, that's not right, dude. <laughs> be, be grammatically correct like Alfred makes me be. <laughs> But yeah, so that was uh, that was the Doomsday Clock. It's hard to believe that we got all this crazy earth-shaking shit that's happening in metal, and that's not even the Watchmen thing. No, no, it's going to be linked, I imagine, by the end of it. There'll be links to it and everything. But yeah, there's just all this stuff that's going on. We've only... The second issue comes out this week, I yes, think, coming. We've, we've only had technically one issue, and we've already, we're already like hip deep in everything. I know, right? It's friggin', it's friggin' nuts. It's nuts, I Yeah, and we... And we have Oz Effect this week, and That's then right. at, like, the end of October, we have Doomsday Clock. Holy shit. Jesus Christ. We're, we're going to be busy, but that's good, Matt. That means we won't be out of work until at least October. <laughs> the, the ass will not fall out of this pyramid at least until then. <laughs> Hell, this was a light week for comics. I didn't know what the fuck to do with myself. Yeah, it, it was kind of a light week, yeah. I've still got a couple of reviews to do, but yeah, it was Same. lighter than what next week's going to be. Yeah, like I might actually get my shit done on time this week, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. 
And I mean, I guess with that, we can segue right into what we read this week. Uh, would you like to go first, Matt? Uh, you, you can go first. Okay, what uh, what did I read this week? Oh, I mean, I guess I'll start with something I read just recently. Uh, Green Arrow, number 30, the penultimate issue in this hard-traveling hero storyline. Yeah, I read this one as well. This was a great issue. It was. Quite fittingly, uh, Ollie's last friend that he meets on this, you know, crazy road trip is Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, his oldest friend, and the original hard-traveling hero. Yeah, yeah, and they kind of have, like, a reintroduction. They sort do. Sort of, like, put all their, their stuff that happened in New 52 behind them, so that, that didn't happen. Yeah. This is us beating for the first time. It's a beautiful moment of retconning where it's like, man, that costume you wore was stupid. Agreed. You back on Earth now? Yep. <laughs> let's let's just sweep all that unfortunateness just right <laughs> under the rug like none of it happened and let's have a fun space adventure in my space truck. Yeah, that was really cool. I like that's what Hal creates for them to go on their adventure. Three, two, one, space truck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, floating space truck. Hop in my space truck. Let's go on an adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's not really much to say about that. It's just yeah, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, go to space, shoot the shit. It's a fun time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they get a little bit closer to, to breaking up the Ninth Circle, and yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the last issue going to be? Is it like all the Justice League with him, or? Uh, well, I think it's the fallout of them in space, but yeah, I mean, that would that would only be thematically fitting that the entire Justice League comes to help him defeat the Ninth Circle. Yeah, because I think the issue after that one is the Metal tie-in? Yes, yes, that's right, yeah. Green Arrow, weirdly, out of all the books, gets a freaking Metal tie-in. Yeah, he's actually going to be in this week's medal as well. There's, like, previews of him helping the Justice League mm. track down Batman. I wonder if that was their idea when it came to picking tie-ins for metal, where it's like, look, we could do it for all, like, the Batman, Wonder Woman, Supermans, but they're all kind of busy doing their own stories right now, and they don't need the help. Let's give it to all the second-tier books that could use the extra boost in sales. Yeah, well, from just seeing, like, following, like, Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder when they, like, show little teasers of art from, like, uh, future issues, they seem to imply that, like, the Trinity, or at least the main Justice League, are all going to be involved in metal. It's not just going to be a Batman thing. Yeah. So having, like, um, their ongoing sort of tie into that wouldn't mm -hmm. really add anything to the story, no, but Green, Green Arrow would. It would, and Nightwing, and Teen Titans, and even Suicide yeah. Squad all get ones. Yeah, I think Teen Titans actually get one this week as well. Yeah, yeah, and and then everyone else, like Flash and Cyborg and some other ones, they get their own little mini-event on top of it too. Mm -hmm. They got like a mini-crossover, so that's some very smart marketing for this one. Yeah, they've actually thought about it. Yeah, they thought about it. What books should get tie-ins? We're not going to give superfluous books tie-ins, but the ones we do give are ones that could probably use a little boost, a little little pick-me-up, a little shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What uh, what else did you have this week, Matt? Uh, I had Superman issue 30. This one was tight, just like the freaking cover alone on this one is mind-blowing. Yeah, this one was this one was really good. A little two-parter two for the, the Sinestro Corps parallax tie-in Superman. Probably Which was my really favorite cool. little two-parter they've done is like breathers in between the bigger arcs. Yeah, and it's not written by Peter J. Tomasi either. No, I got that wrong actually in my review. I thought it was, but turns out it wasn't. Yeah, I think like the last couple of little books haven't been written by him because I think he's busy with like Oz Effect and stuff like that. It's it's smart. Give the main artist and writer team a break. Here's two here's two two and done stories to break up all the bigger arcs, which all the books are doing now. 
Yeah, 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 which is really great, really great. Uh, um, it's, it's because doing it that way, we haven't gotten a late book yet, and no art or writer has burned out yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keeps it fresh, keeps it fresh. Marvel could learn a thing or two. They could, just saying, guys, you know, maybe, I'm not saying steal the idea wholesale, but maybe do something. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, this issue was really great with Superman fighting Sinestro, and mm-hmm. we, we we it also acted as sort of like a teaser for like things that might come. Yes, with, with Superman being shown his greatest fears and everything, and I like some of his greatest fears as well. Yeah. We've got obviously like the people he, he can't help. We've got Lois who, and, and I think this might be a nod to the original Earth Two Superman, whose Lois died of like a cancer disease. Right. That was she was going to be diagnosed with something, and then we have John who can help with. Yeah, then we have John who's again turned to the dark side again, kind of referencing the the Manchester Black storyline. Yeah, yeah, that's something that could still happen to him. Awesome thing too about that panel where like John falls to the dark side. There's some great cameos in the background of Mm -hmm. heroes that he's killed. Miss Martian is there. Yeah, yeah, the, the the Teen Titans by the looks of it, so maybe we'll be getting a shake-up on the Teen Titans. Well, it's funny, it's actually, that team is much closer to the TV version of Young Justice, because you had Miss Martian, Blue Beetle, Tim Drake, Robin, and what looked to be Aqualad all up there, and I'm like, ooh, wouldn't that be interesting? John goes and joins the Young Justice team, Damien has the Teen Titans, and you have two team, team books running at once. That'd be pretty cool. That would be That'd interesting. Be pretty cool. And you could play up like a fun rivalry between them where John's like, fine then, David, I don't need your stupid teen team. I'm going to go form <laughs> my own team with Blackjack and Hookers. <laughs> yeah, but that, that was a really cool issue. And we, I think we also got like a little teaser of like metal. Yes. As well with, with that doomsday with the Devastator or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. And holding Batman's spine. Yeah, just <laughs> messing everything up. I, uh... I like that uh, Superman not only defeats Sinestro, but he frees the Weaponers, and, like, he does more for the Weaponers in, like, 15 minutes than Sinestro has done for them his entire life. Yeah, and it, like, pays off as well. Like, he saves that Weaponer, and the Weaponer sees that he saved him and is actually helping him, and then helps him in the end. I thought that was really great. That was nice, and also someone pointed out to me, those are good friends to have on your side, the greatest weapon makers in the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. Be like, hey, hey, Superman, you gotta fight Dr. Manhattan, you gotta fight a god, maybe go ask your buddies the Weaponers to build you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, build us a weapon to kill the Blue Dome. Yeah, wouldn't that be a fuck of a callback, Superman's like, hey, remember a couple months ago when I saved you guys from Sinestro and, you know, you know, rescued your whole culture from destruction? <laughs> I'm here to collect on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make the, the biggest weapon you got. Make the biggest, baddest, most destructive weapon ever. Maybe not something <laughs> radioactive though i'm pretty sure blue dong is radioactive <laughs> i just need a big old god bomb can you can you do me a solid here guys <laughs> uh that was uh that was fun yeah that was that was just a really good two shot it was it was really really solid uh, uh a marvel book i read this week i read the new generations the iron iron man and Ironheart. i did as well this one threw me for a loop. All the other Generations books have been taking place in the past. This one jumped to the far-flung future. Yeah, it was quite weird. I'm not really sure why. Uh, well, it's. I think I know what it's about. Follow me on this one and tell me if you like this theory. So, in Infamous Iron Man, Doctor Doom sees the future from this book, and he sees Sorcerer mm-hmm. Supreme Tony Stark, right? Yep. Then Riri goes here in this future... 
eventually Infamous is going to end and it's going to fuse back over with Invincible Iron Man. I feel like Bendis is planting seeds for what he's going to do when Tony comes back. Maybe, but as well, when I was reading this book, I'm like, this is just so Bendis can have all his own creations. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. They run into the fucking Avengers next, which are characters that I think only Bendis cares about. Yeah, yeah, like they, yeah, they were in his his Avengers run and everything. But yeah, it was just like characters he cares about and like as made recently, like the the Sorcerer Supreme Tony Stark and everything. And it it felt really weird, I guess, because it was in the future. Yeah. Oh, and oh, and the art kept changing too, because it was Marco yeah, Rubio yeah. who did it. Who here's the thing? I thought that book just had a million fill-in artists. No, apparently that's just his style. He's a multimedia artist who does like a million different styles. That's his thing. It was really jarring where you'd have really nice like big panels of like Morgan Le Fay fighting or not fighting yeah. Sorcerer Supreme Tony Stark and then like changes out the next page and it's really weird. It, well, it was weird because the story didn't feel like it warranted changing every five pages. It would be one thing if it's like, you know, oh, it's a crazy trippy world where, you know, like the hero got drugged and is now seeing through this haze where everything is different. Yeah, and and like with all these all these generations, that the hero kind of has to learn a lesson, yes, or like be imparted some type of wisdom from the from the older hero. And this one, Riri's lesson was like to remember she's like an inventor and futurist, and like well, she never really forgot that. It's true. It's funny because yeah, you're right. Like all the other generations have followed the same pattern of like, hey, here's an important piece of information to take back with you to your time here's something that you know kind of changes your outlook this was basically just future tony being like yo the future's fucking awesome right maybe go back to your time and make your future awesome too <laughs> yeah and they kept like referencing like like what she's gonna do in the future like she oh she's a big deal around the galaxy dr riri williams she's but, really big deal but they can't tell her though because that'll ruin the future yeah what yeah. what I was hoping is that I was hoping it would be something similar to like the Wolverine one where she goes back in time to like Demon in the Bottle mm. Tony he's, he's like drunk and like at the at his wits end and it's Riri who gives him like his his mojo back right it, makes it, him a futurist again it is funny I don't know if Mitch said this or who said this but it's like you could really only go to the future with Tony Stark because he's not a good role model at any point in time you would find him where it's like yeah if you went back to Demon in the Bottle Tony oh god I'm drunk look at me <laughs> or if you go back to like Civil War Tony I'm gonna start a war for flimsy reasons mm, Riri can't really learn anything from him on those days can she <laughs> or if she did it would be like wow Tony's a terrible role model <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. did I model myself after him? He's a fuck up. That that would have even been a, like a really good like sort of play on what everyone's learned something and Riri learns that like the person she's sort of inspired by isn't who he sort of says he is and right. he's, he's kind of kind of a shitty teacher. That he's a little weak. I see I think people would fucking flip out about that because people have already chosen Riri to be the lightning rod poster child about everything they hate for modern Marvel. Yeah, yeah. But then again, those people are going to freak out no matter what you fucking do, so you should just do a crazy story if you want to do a crazy story. Yeah. I, I mark my words though. I bet this crazy sorcerer supreme Tony future is coming back at some point. Ben Ben just wouldn't have mentioned it twice if he doesn't have like a whole event planned for it later. 
Yeah, yeah, that'll be the like the next Marvel event in in Legacy. Because remember, Legacy's tagline: every story is an event. Yeah, <laughs> this this will be the Iron Man event that'll bring yeah. everything together. It'll be the Iron Age. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be all of it happening at once. Uh, what else did you have, Matt? Um, let's go through my list here. Uh, I had Batman issue thirty. Yes, yes, the continued ventures of Kite Man, which. I both kind of loved and kind of hated simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it because, again, we got an interlude and it felt like a... It was, it felt like it was inhabited by stuff that was in tie-ins. Yeah, well, it's funny. Like, they, they call it an interlude, and yet they drop more important information in this issue than they have in any of the other ones that have preceded it. Yeah, yeah, and, and Kite Man's, like, team-ups with all, like, the the... Like Mr. Freeze and Man Bat, they all felt like things like you could have checked this out in Man Bat and Kite Man. They issue really one. did. They really did. And they just like shoved them all in these interludes because I don't know they didn't want to seem like they were after money or something. I don't know. It it makes me laugh even more so because the whole framing device of this story is that this is Batman telling to Catwoman after he just proposed to her and after they just banged. I can only imagine Catwoman sitting there on the bed, smoking a cigarette, they've ordered Chinese, and she's just like, wow, Bruce, that was a really long fucking story you told me, and why did you keep stopping every 15 minutes to tell me stuff about Kite Man you weren't even there for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems pretty weird. You're pretty obsessed with this Kite Man, dude. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that bit from The Simpsons where like the Indian mystic shows Bart the future, and it's like, why did you put a story in there about Marge and Homer looking for uh, Lincoln's gold. Oh, I guess the spirits thought the story was a little thin and needed some padding. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. This is Batman being like, oh, sorry, Cillian, I, th I thought the story was a little thin and needed some padding. <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd just dream up some shit about Kite Man. Also, too, where even though I definitely felt more for Kite Man in this issue, because, you know, they build this whole thing where he's like, you know, he, he never says die and he's not afraid of being a joke and he just gets back up there because being a kite man is what he believes in man at the same time i can't shake the feeling where it's like i don't feel bad for you charlie brown because literally everything that's happened to you has been your fault the entire way yes i said that in my re everything he he encounters is his own doing like what is it like charles schultz like the shocker is a weirdly sympathetic villain because he gets beaten up all the time and he's too dumb to know any better and he's not even that good. He can only shock and everything and he's not smart and you feel mm -hmm. bad for him. Like Two-Face and Clayface, these are sympathetic villains because they have like a mental illness holding them back and everything and you see the good inside <laughs> them. Charlie Brown was always a shit before Kite Man and after Kite Man. Nothing really changed. No, no, not really. All, he, all that changes is he flies around on a kite. Yeah, that's it. And, like, I actually got into a spirited discussion with someone who's like, no, you know, Batman was picking on him the whole time and everything. And I'm like, but was he, though? Kite Man was clearly smart enough to go work for the Joker to go build him his Joker mobile. So clearly he was squandering some engineering knowledge. Two, he chose to hang out at the bad guy bar where Batman picked him up to turn him into an informant. He chose to squeal on all those other villains, you know. Then the Riddler killed his son in retaliation, and he chose to put on a costume and chose to go work for the Joker. Yeah, and and Batman chose him because Batman knew he was a fuck-up. Exactly. And that's, that, that's why they, they, they engineered it, so he would be the last Joker villain. 
because on his side yeah because he's too fucking stubborn to know when to quit and to know when it's all over yeah they they used it against him (laughs) they did you know it's kind of funny and like it kind of comes back to what i've been saying this whole time about tom king where i think secretly at the end of the day he took this gig because he wants to subtly take the piss out of batman and see if anyone will notice because i think the moral of this story was you know you know kite man doesn't care he's a joke and kite man's not afraid to lose and kite man's not afraid to look silly meanwhile batman is so afraid of failure and so afraid of looking silly he throws in with riddler a child murderer just to stop the war of jokes and riddles yeah yeah and that has me like wondering like obviously this takes place in the past it's like what a year after batman's actually been around or something it's it's after zero year so it's like it's year 0.5 yeah so like is riddler gonna like remember this and like come back for batman for like a favor or something is is that like what this is building to like he's gonna tell selena the story and then it's gonna cut to him going to riddler for something i guess also, can we talk about this too? Riddler got a great end of this deal. He got the money, he got Batman to do his dirty work, and in return he just had to not have his guys kill people. Yeah, that's what, like, in in, in retrospect, that issue where they had, like, the, the dinner and everything and he was trying to sort of convince either side which side he would go with Bruce. And I'm like, why would he even choose joker like he wouldn't choose joker this is batman we're talking about of course he's going to go with riddler (laughs) why give a choice why why a choice (laughs) it's pretty obvious it's it's, it's like it's crazy too you know what my favorite part of this issue was it was the bit with clue master of all people because clue master actually answered the questions i wanted answered from issue one and that is why is anyone working with the joker period when the joker offers nothing to anyone who joins him Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is oh well you know we're scared of him and if we don't work for the Joker we're afraid he'll kill us even though you have people like Man Bat and Mr. Freeze who are incredibly powerful metahumans and should be able to deal with the Joker easily but hey he's he's the crazy unpredictable Joker he's the devil whatever I'll take a weak answer over no answer yeah yeah <laughs> is what I'll take but Clue Master says something truly hilarious there too where he's like look we can't leave the fight or else uh, the Joker will kill us. But if Batman beats us up, if we let him win, then we get to be taken off the battlefield and go to the hospital and stuff. That hit me too. I'm like, is Tom King saying the only reason Batman is winning these fights early on in his career is because the villains are letting him win? (laughs) (laughs) They're like taking advantage of that no-kill rule. It's like, oh, Batman won't kill me. He'll, He'll beat me up a little bit, but he won't ever kill me. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Again, it's just like, I don't know if Tom King is purposely saying these things or if it's just coming out that way, because I don't think I'm crazy <laughs> reading into this here. <laughs> like, like, like you got to admit, even if you don't agree with me, you got to admit I give a lot of evidence to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've put a lot of thought into this. Here's the funny thing. Uh, again, I went to Fan Expo this week. Tom King was there. I was one of the first people in line for his booth. I talked to him about how much I liked Mr. Miracle. Very nice man. Yeah, yeah, Miss Miracle is really good. It is. I can't wait for issue two. Tom King, he's super positive. He's super, like, you know, hyped and just happy to talk about comics and happy to shake my hand. I might not always like his Batman, but as a human being, he gets a 10 on 10. (laughs) He's he's a good guy. If you're out there, Tom King, I don't always like your Batman, but I think you're all right. (laughs) 
which you know is more I can is more than I can say for guys like Scott Lovedell, where it's like, well, your work sucks and you suck as a human being too. <laughs> You're a twofer. <laughs> You're a twofer on the on the crap bag Olympics. So uh, I, uh, again, I guess from Batman to Daredevil, uh, I read issue twenty six this week. This is the kickoff of a brand new arc called The Land of the Blind. Okay. And uh, basically, uh, I guess you haven't been keeping up with Daredevil, have you, Matt? No, no, I, I might try to, like, it's going back to its original numbering, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, he, here's the funny thing. They're already doing Legacy, and Legacy hasn't even started yet. Oh, Jesus Christ. In the last arc, which was called Supreme, and you could very easily just pick up at Supreme and read if you want, uh, Matt Murdock tries super hard to push a brand new law that would allow superheroes to actually uh, give evidence at trials. Mm-hmm. He has to take this all the way to the Supreme Court, which the Kingpin doesn't like, so he hires like this really evil lawyer from Charles Soule's uh, She-Hulk book to come and argue against him. Oh no, it's going to be Nightwatch. <laughs> no, it, it was it was legal. It, it wasn't Nightwatch. You're going to rip off a mask. <laughs> Nightwatch. It's fucking Nightwatch all along. <laughs> it, it wasn't him, but it probably. But man, fuck, it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so he beats him. He gets Foggy Nelson's help to push this through, and then at the end of it, uh, Daredevil ditches his black costume and puts on his red suit again. Oh, cool! So in basically one arc, Kingpin uh, Kingpin is the overarching villain again. Red suit, Foggy Nelson. In like one issue, they brought back the entire status quo. There you go. There you go. And so in this newest one, they're kind of wrapping up what happened with uh, Matt's would-be sidekick, Blindspot, from when this whole uh, Charles Souls run started. You remember him? I'm vaguely, yeah. He had an invisibility suit, a supervillain, like, literally gouged out his eyes, so he, like, went back to China with his cultist mom. He's in trouble, so Daredevil's got to go all the way to, like, the jungles of China to save him. And, of course, because this is Daredevil in a story revolving Asia, the hand ninjas are already there. Of course. Of course. And seemingly they've taken control of Blindspot now, and they've given him, like, these really creepy, like, blue White Walker eyes and a cool black costume, and he's fighting Daredevil now. Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's a cool kickoff to this new series. I was, I was about it. I, I like where this is going. Nice, nice. I'm all about it. Uh, okay, what did I have? I, I had Justice League issue 28. Ah, uh, yes, this is the continued crazy future shit with, with the Justice League next, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't remember if I talked about the previous issues on one of our shows. but I think um, you did. Yeah, it, like the first issue of this arc was fucking awful um it didn't establish anything you just said hey these are the kids of the justice league and this kid you know it might be superman and wonder woman's kid and and then the second issue came out and it kind of like this it's like no this is the first issue of this arc don't read that don't read that issue just 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 read this issue because it explained everything it explained that hunter prince is clark's surrogate son oh. who who wonder woman gave up because men aren't allowed on themiscara that's harsh and even though there are men on Themyscira. Um, and yeah, for, for so... the purposes of this story, there are no men on Themyscira. <laughs> and and um, so Clark and Lois took him in, and he grew up with John. And, oh. he, and yeah, well, he kind of resented John because it, it says John was, like, picking on him with, like, Damien. I'm like, bullshit, John really? wouldn't do that. J- John, John the, the sweetest, nicest kid who we've already established <laughs> is basically Jesus 2.0. Damn it, Brian Hitch. 
Yeah, and um, yeah, all these kids came from this future where the sovereign destroyed everything. No one knows who the sovereign is, although it's obviously Wonder Woman. Um, uh, the, the sovereign is David Bowie. I've seen Venture Brothers. <laughs> uh, Cyborg and Aquaman are like fused now, oh. and, and called Curry. <laughs> oh. Yes, they just called him Curry. It's Curry so man. weird. And um, he travels back in time when the kids travel back in time and beats the fuck out of Batman. Um, and the kids, th this new issue is just like the kids going off with their respective parents. And it's really weird because it's a really good issue because it's just talking. The whole There's like no action. Right. And it's just like Clark and Hunter talking and sort of trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And they used to be, you know, father and son and Hunter's kind of disillusioned because of this future. Everything's been destroyed and killed and Superman had a chance to stop it, but Superman didn't stop it because it would require him killing thousands of people. Fuck you, and Dad. Yeah, it's basically that. And then they find out that Wonder Woman is sovereign and they have to kill Wonder Woman now. This, this sounds like all the reasons why I stopped reading Brian Hitch's Justice League. This, this story, this story is... It, it, it just reads as like one of Hitch's JLA issues. Of it, I, I, I believe that after his Rao story, if that book was to continue, this would have been the second arc. Oh, I bet. I bet he Because there's, there's like stuff in here that shouldn't be in here <laughs> that, that makes sense with when you're reading it in the New 52 JLA. Right. Like they glance over like John being killed. Like they just say, oh, he died in the future. He's not part of this story. He's just going to be shifted over to the side. He died with Lois. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and... Because it, I it didn't just... invent this character. Yeah, but this character wasn't around when I originally wrote the story, so I'm just going to put a little one sentence in here. <laughs> you know what I yeah. bet? I bet when he got the gig for Main Justice League, he went over to his JLA folder on his computer in office. He then, like, back-clicked it and renamed it Justice League <laughs> Story Ideas. <laughs> I believe that is exactly what happened because every one of these stories reads like a follow-up to, like, Rao just tried to destroy the world. He had to keep topping it with every other story and everything, and yeah, he's going to be off in two issues anyway, yeah. so... Yeah, he will, and I'll, I will look back at Justice League and see what up. Yeah, they haven't actually named a writer yet who's going to be filling in. No, no, they yeah. haven't. So I, I don't... Come on, Jeff Johns. <laughs> yeah, come on, Jeff Johns. Yeah, that would be fine. Uh, hey, apparently Jeff Johns and Hickman have been having dinner. Ooh. Hick, Hickman, Justice League, yes, please. <laughs> Imagine that. Actually, I, I would really like Hickman on that mysterious JSA book that keeps coming and going. Well, it's funny because, like, someone was talking to Brian Hitch and he mentioned he wants to do something with the JL, uh, JSA. and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, eh. But the thing is, he said, "I want to, I want to do what I did with the Ultimates, but with J the JSN." I'm like that does not fucking work. Hey, like uh, you, you cannot put Ultimates in the JSA. That's not how it works. Hey, uh, Jeff Lemire's coming back. Maybe they'll give him a crack at Justice League. Yeah, give it to Jason Aaron. He's off Star Wars uh, and off like the main books. Is, so. is he exclusive with Marvel, Jason Aaron? I think he might be. Maybe? I don't know. I think he might be exclusive with because I don't see him write anything else, just Marvel and his own series. Yeah, yeah, he may maybe, yeah. Which hey, ain't a bad gig when you can get it. Mm, yeah. That he's like making enough money that he doesn't have to go work for both companies at the same time. But yeah, I mean hey, 
anything DC by Jason Aaron would be off the hook. I don't think... Has Jason Aaron written anything for DC? I'm going to have a look now. I don't think he has. All, all the Jason Aaron series I can think of were were all Marvel or Independence. Uh, he his name is on the the the, the DC website. So uh, what what is he what has he done? Maybe some backup. Unless unless I'm just really Scouts is technically a DC comic. Oh, apparently. it was Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess yeah he he's written Scout for DC comics. <laughs> Scout is one of the many multiverses in the New Fifty Two. That one exists out there in the multiverse. I, I like in his bio on the DC comics, it says he enjoys many things, but shaving is not one of them. No, no, he doesn't. Have you, have you seen his face? I, I agree, sir, Mr. Aaron. I agree with you on that. I, I can't grow near as luscious a beard as you, but I agree. You know, I hear if you meet Jason Aaron at a con, if you tug on his beard three times, you get a wish. But you got to catch him first, and he's wily. <laughs> and he's always greased up <laughs> that too which makes it difficult oh man speaking of comic creators so again fan expo uh scott snyder was there uh, i passed capullo in line i was gonna say hey but he was with his wife and you 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 can spot capullo in a con setting because he's like a big jack dude with a shiny shaved head cool beard and he was wearing a black label society hoodie <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yep, no doubt who that is. Apparently, all the big comic creators got together for dinner atop the CN Tower, and apparently that's where they ate every night. And the CN Tower was within walking distance of my hotel. Like, you like you could see it. They ate, like, right across. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we were this close to going up and eating at the CN Tower ourselves, being like, oh, fuck, like, imagine, imagine if we overheard what they were saying. Imagine what we could overhear <laughs> them talking about. And then it's like, eh, well, for one... It's like a hundred bucks for a steak at the CN Tower restaurant. Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's not a cheap place to eat. It's really not, and it's like thirty-seven bucks even if you just want to go up during the day. Jesus. Yeah, and I, I I've never been, and then I'm reminded, like, oh yeah, this is why I haven't been. <laughs> dude, dude, fuck this wonderful building of ours. But that's why they ate there because they knew no fan could afford after going to Fan Expo. No. Like they couldn't afford a house. We, we can sit up in our tower. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, that's that was literally their tower stronghold. Jim Lee was there too, and he's like a president of the company, so I'm sure he had like the DC company card. Put it all on the card. They're all standing there, like watching you all like walking across from the air, just laughing. <laughs> they can never find us. <laughs> look at them, Tom. They look like ants from up here. They are they are ants, Scott. They are ants. Dance, nerds, and give us your money. <laughs> You'll want to know what happens in metal? Well, I won't tell you. You gotta read it. Yeah, they're yelling, yelling it down to you because it's so far up, you can't hear them. <laughs> they're just cursing everybody and they can't hear it. <laughs> man, 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 man what, what, what's that prickling feeling in the back of it? I feel like a comic writer is cursing me out. Did you hear that? Oh, it's just the wind. It's the wind. <laughs> Fuck you, fanboy. <laughs> you know I, I i bet like comic creators at dinner are probably pretty boring i bet they're like podcasters i bet the last thing they want to talk about is work in comics yeah yeah probably they're probably like hey you know so i got uh i got gluten-free recently oh yeah it was working really well for me oh yeah <laughs> you know what i really like is uh is that food channel you know that uh that anthony bourdain it's great binge watching i tell you 
Yeah, they're just really bored people. <laughs> really of, boring people. <laughs> that would be amazing. They write these super extraordinary stories, but they're super boring in real life. <laughs> hey, you want to see some pictures of my kids on the FaceTime? I sure do. <laughs> they're going on about all the renovations they're doing in their house. I've got to reroute the ba bathroom. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know, i got to put up the storm siding. You know, winter's coming. <laughs> they just talk about news and politics like man you know irma's really fucking up the keys right now yeah that's that's terrible yeah my six houses down there <laughs> <laughs> those poor people jim lee's like yeah you know the house where i keep all my wildcats merchandise <laughs> and i'll never forget the day i bought the wildcats house <laughs> <laughs> that deserves to be in Florida. <laughs> that does. Damn, Jimmy. Damn, Jimmy, you've been in this industry a long time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> Damn, Jim, you've drawn a lot. Why Why does your wrist sound like a cement mixer? <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I'm president of the company. I can get, you know, this carpal tunnel fixed. Yeah, he's got like he's got like he's got like action figure hands. You can just pop one off and pop a new one on. And then like the one he pops on has got like the pencil in the hands. Like this is the this is my drawing hand. They they compare battle scars. Jim Lee's like, oh yeah, you see that one right there? I got that from X Men back in '93. <laughs> yeah, friggin' uh, friggin' Scott Lobdell stabbed me with a pencil. It was a whole thing. Yeah, and this one is from when when I spilt cocaine on myself when we were riding All Star Batman. We, 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 my... Frank Miller said we needed to Frank rewrite Miller. it, so I went to his he place. He tried to claw it off my face. <laughs> it was terrible. We never did finish that book, by the way. <laughs> hey Jim, how would that story finish if you had a chance? I don't know. Let's let's crank call Frank and ask him. <laughs> That's what they do. They just sit around crank calling other creators who are in their phone. Hey, what uh, time is it in England? Let's call Grant Morrison and see what he has to say. <laughs> hey, hey, Grant, it's me, Jim. Do you want to write another multiversity? <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll send you the paperwork in the morning. Yeah, Greg is going to draw it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. It's gonna be great. I'm feeling a great energy from you. Oh yeah, yeah, we're doing. Uh, he's, gonna feel, he's gonna feel so stupid when we don't send him the paperwork in the morning. <laughs> hey, let's text Dan to Dio and tell him conversions was shit. Because <laughs> of course they would have his names in there. Make sure private numbers on. <laughs> God. It's like no 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 shit 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 oh no his wife answered what do we do what do we do um, is is Dan home <laughs> Mrs Didino can we talk to him? <laughs> it's really important have you boys been drinking a little bit <laughs> this this has to be a show now like forget this like dinner for three like you know masterpiece theater we need drunk comic creators the show just crank calling <laughs> other comic creators. No, that needs to be a show. That needs to be a show. Just like pissy comic creators, like, hey, I created this great character, then you retcon them out of existence, you dick. <laughs> I Why do you hate the blue Nightwing, Dan? Yeah, exactly. That's Why do you hate the blue? <laughs> What's wrong with Stephanie Brown? Why do you not want to put her in things? <laughs> I just don't like redundancy. We've been over this. <laughs> you called me at home for this, guys? Yes.
Oh, <laughs> uh, what the fuck were we talking about? Oh yeah, the comics that came out. This that was a great yeah. diversion. Jesus Christ, that's probably one of our longest ones. Not not to pat ourselves on the back for great diversions, but that might be my favorite diversion we've done in sixty episodes. <laughs> that's one for the best of real. And it's perfect because we're on video as well. Exactly, man. See, this is. You're getting your money's worth for this video. Oh, fuck, we're not charging you for this. God damn it. Yeah, we're charging you now. $59.99 a month. Yeah, $9.99. <laughs> you, can, you, you can send that as a check or as a bunch of pennies. It's fine. I'll pick it up. <laughs> Actually, hey, you know, if you want to pay the bills around here, uh, Matt and I got two brand new t-shirts designs over at Public. We do. You can get an awesome Thor Ragnarok Cape Joel and an awesome Thor Ragnarok inspired uh, Fortress of Solitude. Matt really outdid himself on those. Yeah, they actually look really good. I was actually really happy with how they turned out. You kicked ass on those, and you know we'll actually get a small cut of that. And also, if you know you're looking to get a great deal on books in trade, and you don't want to pay shipping and handling. We both have book depository links down in the description. That really helps us out for whenever you're looking to buy a trade. Buy from there. Buy from us. Yeah, I bought from my own affiliate link. Is that like a conflict of interest? Ooh, that's a good... I, I think I can buy from yours and you can buy from mine. I, I bought like a whole bunch of stuff though. I only made like 90 cents. So Yeah, it's, it's very sweet. And they don't pay you out until you reach like 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. But hey, every six months, I will get a strange... PayPal notification, be like, what the fuck did this go? Oh, shit, I must have reached 100. Okay. Oh, man. Gonna buy so much craft Dinner and peanut butter with this. <laughs> I can go to the CN Tower for a steak. Yeah, really. Oh, no, 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 no. It's it's 100 bucks for a steak, 37 bucks just to get up there. Oh, no. You gotta get 130 bucks. <laughs> God damn, this, this freaking place, man. <laughs> and then, like, the cost of, like, the, the flights and everything yeah, <laughs> well it's funny you know i took that 37 bucks i actually turned around you know what i did i went to the ripley's aquarium which is in the same plaza as the cn tower that was amazing i saw fish and i got to stay on the ground <laughs> yeah hey, hey is there fish up there at top of the cn tower <laughs> didn't think so there's so yeah, this giant aquarium. Oh god, yeah, it's you can hunt your own dinner. God damn it, they have everything up there. <laughs> we we also have a magic machine that cures all disease. Oh fuck, it's like Elysium now. <laughs> yes, but you gotta get past Chartel Copley to get up here. <laughs> he's not letting anyone pass. <laughs> no, he's all jacked and has a ninja sword. <laughs> uh, man, they really take security seriously around here. <laughs> yeah, so comics for this week <laughs> yeah comics for this week uh oh i also read nightwing that was a fun one yeah what was that about uh this was like the end of his twofer that he did wherein he uh ended up fighting the agents of spiral again because uh apparently his buddy king tiger had gone crazy and was flooding the streets of bloodhaven with superhero killing guns Oh, no. No, turned out it wasn't him, actually. It was Mr. Minos, the first villain that Agent Grayson ever fought, his original handler who had, like, stolen Tiger's face. Oh, Jesus. And then we find out Minos is actually a robot, which is why he's alive right now. God damn it. Because we saw him die in Grayson. I'm like, well, how the fuck is he back? Oh, because he's a robot. Yeah, that, that's the good explanation for everything. He was a robot all the time. He was a robot who was programmed by Spiral to hate all superheroes. 
which seems like poor planning. That's also why he was putting together those Minos files, which was the whole reason Batman sent uh, Dick undercover after he faked his death into Spiral to get those papers. Yeah, yeah. To make sure he didn't out the rest of the superhero community. Uh, but Minos's plan was hilarious, too, because he basically was going to pull a face off with Dick Grayson. <laughs> Look, look, I be Nick Cage, you be John Travolta, I'm going to steal your face, and then I'm going to infiltrate the superhero community and rebuild my files. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a pretty creative plan, admittedly. Yeah, it is pretty creative. I, I gotta give you that, it's pretty creative. It's funny, too, because, you know, during this whole adventure, uh, Nightwing has been back with Huntress, and uh, mm -hmm. they get pretty close, and they end up totally doing it, only for uh, Dick Grayson's reformed supervillainous girlfriend Defacer to catch them because, you know, they, they had had a fight and they thought they were broken up, but apparently they weren't broken up, but apparently she's quite mad now. Oh, no. We were on break! <laughs> There's, it's, it's a great panel because she sees it, like, out the window, and then you see, like, the entire, like, 12 ranges of emotion from, like, anger, denial, sadness... <laughs> she does the entire rainbow in a couple seconds and I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like to face her. This this was a fun story. If you really liked Grayson and you felt that those characters in that world needed a little bit more uh closure, this storyline is good for you. Cool, cool. Um well I'll, I'll talk about two books I had this week, two Star Wars books I had this week. Right on. Uh, I only have two more myself, so that's good. Let's both do two. Uh, the first one is uh, Captain Phasma, issue one. Right. And uh, this is a, a journey to the last Jedi issue. Oh. And uh, we sort of find out what happened to Captain Phasma in Starkiller Base. And uh, it's actually perfect timing because her uh, novel came out. She had a novel written about her. Oh, came out, And I actually read that before I read this. And I'm glad I did because I, the novel actually goes into like heaps of detail about like who she is and like where she's from and what her allegiances are. And her allegiances are, she's not First Order member. She's in it for, because they were like the in thing at the time. They were the ones to get the power. <laughs> so and the minute, the, the minute they're not, yeah, the minute they're not the power, she's like, fuck this, I'm leaving. <laughs> wow, and she, she, re she really is the Boba Fett of this universe. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in this issue, she uh, frees herself from the trash compactor and Good. she goes back to the where she took down the shields and and she she erased her taking the shields away uh, like the log she she got rid of that and Covering her own ass yeah and she found out that just before she did all that a couple of minutes before she did all that someone else was there oh. and was just like I, I guess like doing technical stuff and she's like I'm gonna blame this guy <laughs> and, and so the whole issue is her sort of reciting to her logs that she's hunting this guy who who took down the shield <laughs> so she's and, and, she's made up her own mission yeah and and while the base is like exploding and everything she's like just following this guy and the guy ends up like leaving the base and she commandeers a, a tie fighter to go after him and and she's got like some pilot with her and everything so she's hunting this guy to cover her own ass basically that's funny i like that that's clever yeah it is a really cool book it's written by um kelly thompson oh nice i like her i might have to check that i'm so far behind on all these star wars books but i like that most of them are like tiny little mini series that i could probably get done in a short amount of time if need be yeah, yeah a lot of them are just like five issue mini series yeah can't uh, can't mess with that that sounds good. Yeah. And you said you had another Star Wars one? 
Yeah, the other one was Darth Vader issue five. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I read the first two issues of this. Yeah, th- this one wraps up the the first arc with Vader getting his lightsaber, and he gets he gets the lightsaber in the last issue. And this issue, he's he heads to Mustafar, where his castle will be ah. in Rogue One. That exact it looks exactly the same, like the same. It's just no castle there yet. <laughs> and we find out that there's like a dark side well under there. Oh, well, and, that's helpful. And Palpatine wants him to take the crystal there and make it bleed so it becomes a Sith crystal. Mm. And he does that and. It's really, really cool how they did it, and he gets blasted back by this crystal, and then he's like saying, "Oh, what have I done?" And then you think it's still, still going, and he goes and sees the Emperor, and he kills the Emperor, <laughs> and um, then he finds Obi Wan and reveals himself to Obi Wan, and we find out that that's like a, a possible future, right? That this crystal shows him crazy crystal and, dreams, yeah, and he's like, "Fuck this shit." And and he, he imbues it with the dark side force, and the, the issue ends with him with his red lightsaber. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. I think the next issue is him fighting the Inquisitor. Ooh. Because the cover looks like they, they, they've been fighting, so at least the Inquisitor's coming back, which is really cool. Yeah, that's it. the one we've seen in Rebels, right? That Inquisitor. Yeah, the bald one, yeah, with right. the spiky lightsaber. I wonder if they'll reveal his name in this. We never got a name for him. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll probably end up getting um, since this takes place literally right after Episode Three. I imagine we'll get his like recruitment or like where what he's been up to if he's been around or something. That's cool. They revealed he was a temple guard. That's basically all we knew about him before he became an Inquisitor. Yeah, so we, we might get a little bit more about that. How he became a, a Sith, right? And and what that means to be an Inquisitor as opposed to being a full blown Sith, and what that means for the Empire. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested in that. I will definitely have to catch up on that. That sounds totally my speed. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, The last book I read this week uh, was Champions, and this is a fun one because this was was kind of more of a laid-back, silly kids' adventure story, and the focus (laughs) was entirely on Cyclops. It was because he got his emotions fucked with because of Psycho Man. Yeah, Psycho Man totally fucked with his shit, which is funny. I'm sure you put together this one the way I put it together. The champions are having a karaoke contest, and, like, Scott is really bad at it because he's a total stick in the mud, and he's displaced from time, so he doesn't know what modern songs are. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, too. They're like, oh, there's a bunch of riots happening, you know, near this shitty, ugly statue. Let's let's go deal with it. Oh, the crowd's gone. Who was behind this? Oh, Psycho Man was the reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he wasn't really like, like, he wasn't like an important villain. No. Like, he was just, he was just like a cog to get the story going so that we get a, a story about Scott. I like that. I like that, too, and I like that Mark Wade being like, hey, look, I can do funny, silly teen drama stories, and I can also put a little bit of political commentary in there, <laughs> to the point where some people probably didn't even get what I was saying. No, no, I actually didn't, like, get that first, and then, like, when I reread it again just before I reviewed it, I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't get that. Not a lot of people were going to get it get that <laughs> no i i dig that I'm, it's almost like you know i'm sure people have been yelling at mark wade being like oh your political commentary is too on the nose and too in people's faces it's like okay fine you want me to be subtle i'll be fucking subtle then. <laughs> i've never found it to be too on the nose because they're a team that that stuff like that would appeal to exactly that's always how i've dug about it but yeah it's it's cool to see scott get one and it's funny you know his emotions are all over the place so he'll be like really jacked and really excited then he'll be like really sad and really down in the dumps 
Yeah, yeah. It's like, I can't ever see you. I can't cry because my tears might blow up the earth. And... <laughs> he, he becomes Morty from Rick and Morty. Oh, God, my voice is annoying and my visor could fall off at any moment. <laughs> and nobody likes me. And just, you know, I'm just trying my hardest and my older self becomes a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to become Hitler, guys. <laughs> I don't want to become mutant Hitler, everybody. And the mutants are in a really bad place right now. And it's just like, just bring it down a whole notch. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out all he needed to get over his problems was to just flash fry a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, full, full, full force. <laughs> Turn the power up a little bit. Whew, that was good therapy. I'm back to normal. Okay, good, because you almost killed that guy. Hey. <laughs> I, uh, I like this one. It's, it's funny. It's fitting that a story like this should really focus on Cyclops, because this reminded me very much of like an episode of like X Men where they'd like play baseball or go to the mall or something. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, these are the sort of stories X Men used to do. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this. I like. I like that. You know, champions can kind of do both, and I like that this was this was really a breather issue where it's like, hey, Secret Empire was really heavy and really dark and really serious, and Legacy looks to be Avengers versus Champions. So here's a nice breather story to. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to the end of that issue, and then it's like, it's like next issue, we've got this, like, five-part event with the Avengers and Champions, and I'm like, God fucking damn it. Which was not the whole marching order of champions that the younger heroes didn't like, how the older heroes were doing things constantly fighting each other, so they went and formed their own team. Yeah, yeah, and now, oh, we're getting them versing each other, there's two sides to it and everything. And was not the moral of Secret Empire, the wow, the only reason that Nazi Captain America could succeed was because we were so busy fighting each other we couldn't see what was right in front of us? <laughs> yeah, it happened because of events. It happened because of events, well, it's nice to know we learned nothing from this, at least, if nothing else, judging by the cover, it they're calling it... Avengers versus Champions, but really that's the clickbaity title. It looks like they're all going to be fighting High Evolutionary, but then he's yeah. either going to take control of them or do something. Yeah, they're going to be teaming up together for something, and yeah. the good thing is I read both books, so I, I, can, I can jump on in really easily. Exactly. I'm not going to have to pick up an extra book. I guess I'm along for the ride, and because Mark Wade writes both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't d don't jerk me around here, Mark Wade. <laughs> I don't likes to be jerked in that way. <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was what I read this week. Is that everything you read? Yeah, that's pretty much everything. All right, and we finished on the same time. Whew. So there you go, everyone. That's a very special episode of the Comic Multiverse for you, all wrapped and ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty successful with I video. Think. Yeah, with Vidya and everything. You done did seen us. And I can only imagine this is going to be popular, which means, damn it, I'm not going to be able to sit in my underwear draped in a blanket <laughs> every Sunday night to do this show. Because, you know, you give you, you give people the video inch and soon they'll want the video mile. <laughs> they want everything to be video. All video, all the time. Which, you know, we wanted to do that anyway, and we figure that's the least we can do for you because you've all been so cool and so great. The only question is now moving forward is do I put the audio version up for people to carry around for them on Patreon? first or do i put the video or do i put both up at the same time so people can choose 
Uh, put put them both up at the same time so people can choose. Hit them, hit them with both barrels, everybody. That's that's what I'm gonna do, and that's also my clumsy way of saying, hey, if you want to listen to this one first Sunday night as soon as we're done, become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You can support me and Matt. You can support the channel. Can help keep the lights on. Can help us buy comics and everything else we need to do our work. And you get the gift of getting to hear and see and listen to stuff first. Yeah, now you can see us. So yeah. you get that. Yeah, that's like an addition. You literally can now see us. That's totally the thing. You get, you get the the gift of looking. <laughs> you know, if, uh, hearing's free. Looking's gonna cost you. Although, actually, we're just <laughs> we're just gonna put the video up on Wednesday for everybody too, same normal time. But you know, looking first will cost you. <laughs> Being the first to see. But only a dollar. I was I was gonna make a joke there, saying for the price of a cup of coffee. But where the hell can you get a cup of coffee for a dollar anymore? I don't know, like. 7-Eleven? <laughs> I guess. I'm trying to think. Like really know. shitty gas stations, like 90 cent coffees or something? Yeah. For the price of a really <laughs> shitty cup of coffee, <laughs> you can listen to a not-so-shitty comic podcast and look at us <laughs> at the same time. Uh, so there you go, everybody. I'm going to start winding down the show. You you have anything you want to promote, Matt, before we, uh, before we end this? Um, it's funny, you've just come back from a Comic-Con, I'm going to a Comic-Con, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after, nice. um, I'm going to be attending Oz Comic-Con Brisbane, Sweet. uh, so expect a video, probably showing you the floor, and I might even do like a, like a what I bought sort of thing at the end of the video. I always do. Yeah, because I imagine I'm probably going to buy a bunch of shit. I, I really wanted to find the Steven Universe art book while I was at Fan Expo, but I never did. Yeah, I, I always go in looking for something particular. Then I get there, I forget, and I'm like, I'm just going to buy that. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I got myself a Game of Thrones mug this time, and it was a very important moment. Like, okay, what, what house do you choose? Do you pick the main character wolves? Do you pick the incest lions? Or do you pick the dead stags? I picked the stags. Because <laughs> I like the gray mug. It's good. Been drinking my tea out of it in the morning. <laughs> But it's so it's such a big mug and it's so deep and I forget how much is in it when I'm drinking. So I'm like, oh god, that's a bigger sip than I'm used to. <laughs> so you know, if I ever drown in my mug, that's why. Yeah, he drowned. He drowned in his dead stag mug. Yeah, which I mean, you know, there's worse ways to die. It, it sounds better than dying in your, in your incest lion mug. <laughs> yeah, in the incest lion mug or dying on the toilet. <laughs> or you a, could die on the toilet while drinking from it. <laughs> with a crossbow bolt in me, and the and the cops are just like completely amazed. They're just like, we we got nothing. <laughs> what the fuck happened here? This this is one for that forensic file show. <laughs> we need one of them TV cops to come in and work this one out. <laughs> uh, and on that note, everyone, I think I can finally bring the show to a close for real this time. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We appreciate it. As always, be sure to leave a comment, leave a like, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's it. Any any parting thoughts, Matt? Yeah. yeah, I hope you enjoyed this first video, maybe many. Yeah, if it's not a total burning fuck up. Yeah. So yeah, on that note, everyone, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.